Hello and welcome to the New Spiro podcast where we interview experts, authorities and characters on all things spearfishing. Come and join us after the show at noobspiro.com, the online spearfishing community helping you to become a better Spiro. Here are your hosts for the show, Shrek and Turbo. G'day Noob Spiro community, Shrek and Turbo here. G'day guys. Today we have a globally renowned spearfishing personality, he's a passionate born and bred South African and by the looks of it a bloody busy bloke. Welcome to the show Richard Leonard. Hey, thanks, guys. Super cool to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, Richard, I read a bit up on uh, your bio there, and I see most of your main efforts go towards running and directing the End of the Zone Productions, which is the largest spearfishing YouTube channel, and also another channel, Top Shots, which is pretty popular. Plus, you run a blog, have a hefty social media presence, and this year you managed to run in the top 10 in the uh, South African National Spearfishing Champs. You sound really busy. Can you tell us a bit about the uh, spearfishing champ experience and and in the zone productions? Uh, cool, man. Well, yeah, spearfishing uh, is definitely uh, my passion, as you as you might have got a sense. Um, but you know, I've got this interesting side to me as well: is the, the capturing the action and the, the excitement, the stoke on camera, and, and really representing the sport that way. I think um, that's probably uh, equally. Uh, I'm, I'm equally passionate about that and um, I've never been a, a, a big competitor for spearfishing. I had a very serious uh, competitive, uh, I, I was very seriously competitive in my teenage years um, with uh, athletics and, and rugby and stuff like that and when I took up spearfishing in 1999, uh, I was 19 years old and um, yeah, I just wanted to blow off some steam and have a whole lot of fun. And I think I've always wanted spearfishing to be that way uh, for me. I've always just wanted to be a, a timeout from the world and, you know, the, the worries and the hustle and the bustle. And, you know, as you spearers know, you, you enter into a whole new world and uh, it's just, it's mysterious. It's, it's magical. It's uh, really just incredible. And, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I never wanted to take it up professionally, but, um, you know, I moved uh, to the Eastern Cape. Uh, which is kind of sort of central in our country uh, on the coastline, but somewhere in the middle. And um, yeah, I started diving here and progressing in the sport and, and the guys asked me to, to dive for the provincial side here. And uh, I agreed. I was um, super keen to just hang with the guys and, and be a part of it. So I gave it a shot. It was my, my first real competition. And um, yeah, managed to do all right. I was, I was super chuffed with the position in the top 10. I was going up against some pretty good divers. Um, we've got some pretty hardcore guys here in, in South Africa. And um, yeah, it was just awesome to be a part of it. Competition diving was, uh, it, you know, it's completely different to what I'm used to. I'm um, probably more of a trophy hunter than anything else. I, I, I let a, a heck of a lot of fish swim past me. And uh, <laughs> I've I've seen a few of your trophies. They're pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean I've had so, yeah I've had some great opportunities and managed to land some some beautiful fish in, in uh, my spearfishing career. But um, yeah, you know uh, the spearfishing in, in a national championships. It's it's a, well ours is set up as a species a species comp, which is um, 
you know, you've got a maximum of 10 species, which is according to uh, the laws of our country. So you can't have more than um, 10 fish on your on the boat. And then, you know, certain fish have certain regulations. So um, it's a, you know, maximum of 10 species and uh, you get a, a point for each species and then a point for each kilogram thereafter with a maximum points of, of uh, six points per fish. So you, to get a maxi weigher, you know, it's anything over five kilos is a maxi weigher. So, you know, whether you get a five kilo fish or a 20 kilo fish, it's going to score the same. So some, you know, some lucky Joe who shoots a, you know, 20 kilo kingfish or, you know, yellowtail, as we call them, he doesn't win the comp, you know, he gets a maximum of six points for that fish. So it's all about being versatile and being able to adapt to, you know, all the different um, diving conditions. We dive in different areas every day and different areas hold different fish and there's different strategies. And also each species has its own strategy and how to hunt that species. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it really is awesome. It, it tests you um, to your maximum diving in competition. You know, I, I was pushing my turnarounds a lot quicker than what I would do for normal free diving. I mean, um, you know, um, when, when, when you just – you know, casually free diving and having fun, you take a little bit more time on the top because you, you know, you relax and you want to spend a bit more time on the bottom. Where um, in the national championships, you've got to spend as much possible time as you can on the bottom. So you, 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 you're really pushing yourself and turning around your dives fast, you know. And also the first guy on the reef is the guy who gets the fish as well. And I was diving with my provincial A team, so... Um, and and they, they, they these guys have grown up in here in Eastern Cape, so and they're diving, you know, in their backyard. I've been here for three years, so I've got a bit of an idea. But I was diving in their backyard, and you know, the guys don't anchor on the spot every time. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> they anchor away from the spot, and you kind of have to be sneaky and watch where they go. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a great experience and it was just um, the camaraderie and, you know, the, the excitement of, of competitive diving was, was great. So I don't think it's something I want to move towards a, in a career. I'll maybe dive a few more comps, but um, no, great experience. Eh? No, thank, thanks for that insight into comps. Uh, I, we haven't dived many comps ourselves, so interesting insights there. What about uh, In the Zone Productions? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I mean, I've seen some of your films. I saw Mozam Magic, I think, and that was just a, just mm. s- sensational uh, cinematography, just really <coughs> awesome awesome to watch. Uh, what, what, what sort of other things are you doing within The Zone? No, cool, man. Well, you know, I just, uh, like I said earlier, I'm so passionate about the sport and uh, I want people to share in the extremeness, the excitement, the adrenaline, you know, the challenge of, of the sports. I think, uh, you know, I often come across in my the comments um, in my YouTube videos on ITZ TV, um, you know, comments like, you know, it's just so easy and, you know, why don't you leave some fish in the ocean? And, and I think uh, generally the public don't have a good idea of the challenge and the adversity that you have to face to to get out there and actually land good fish, you know, and I, 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 and it's exciting, man. You know, I've also noticed that in a lot of spearfishing media, guys are, guys are just too serious, man. You know, it's like, yeah, we just got to go out there and have a great time. And I've really wanted to capture that on, on camera, you know, that, that, that excitement. And, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, pa- I'm as passionate about the cinematography side of the sport as I am about actually shooting fish. In fact, some days um, I get so much more pumped about, you know, getting the shot than uh, on camera than actually making the shot myself, you know. For, since um, that, that, um, that video you just mentioned, um, Mose Magic, that, that, that one we went to in Yorker, and um, I really wanted to represent Africa and, and traveling through Africa. And, you know, we, we traveled to a reserve on our way, and um, it was a huge mission. You'll, you'll see a shot in Mozambique Magic where the car, the boat, drive past this female giraffe and her calf, you know, her, her, her baby. And, I mean, to get that shot was just like... Dude, I think I was so pumped about just getting that shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I really wanted golden grass, golden light, you know, um, that, that old African, like, you know, trees in the background, stereotypical, just there is Africa. We're in Africa and we're traveling through Africa. And I mean, yeah, to get that whole setup and those animals to stay still, the car and the boat to drive through the frame. And I mean, we got to the spot that the, the giraffes were there there was this little perfect little side road. So me and the camera car pulled over and we got, we got Rob just driving through the frame, you know, Rob Allen with, with Chris Coates, just driving through the frame. Perfectly nailed it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm as excited about um, the cinematography side. Uh, we started uh, in the zone. Well, I started in the zone in 2006. Um, and, uh, you know, I just had no cooking clue. Uh, and what to do, um, my, I, I think the, the only advice I got was from um, Brett Verko, um, you know, who was filming the, the immersion DVDs and films at that time. And uh, I got my first camera, this um, Panasonic NVGS 300. I've actually got it sitting on my desk right here just to remind me of uh, where, where it all began, you know. <laughs> uh, I've actually... <laughs> I missed the boat. I should have sold those cameras sooner, but I didn't. And now I'm sitting with like three really good three CCD cameras, but they're not HD. So they're like, they're like completely redundant. So they're like now ornaments in my office. But anyway, so, I mean, uh, Brett said that's the camera he uses. So I thought, well, you know, he's done the research. That must be the camera to use. So I just got that camera. And then I found out that there was a guy just down the road from me that made custom housing. So I took my camera to him, he made a housing and off I went to Sedona Bay and uh, filmed my first little, you know, my first little spearfishing holiday thing. I learned very quickly in that time. I, I actually went with my, my cousin and we were going to do this together. And um, I learned very quickly that um, spearers are very hesitant um, to pick up the camera. <laughs> they, they actually almost never want to pick up the camera and <laughs> grab it. And I, I found actually that whole holiday, the guys just grabbed their guns, jumped in, and I was the guy in the water with the camera. And we managed to capture some good stuff. And then I came back and I had no clue on how to edit it. Um, I was still early days. And I went to a friend and she was developing a, a portfolio. Um, and she was a really good editor. And she edited down a 12-minute piece on our trip and it came out really good. And it ended up being our very first production. And um, sitting down and watching it, I was just so stoked just to be able to see our holiday produced in a, in a way that just represented the excitement and everything that went on under the water as well as above the water. And I just oh, I fell in love with it right there. 
And that was it. I was hooked. Uh, as much as in 1999, I got hooked uh, in spearfishing, um, in 2006, I got so hooked on the, the cinematography side, you know. I think it's a, um, it's a very unique passion, and not everyone's passionate about it. I think most guys are quite happy to put a GoPro on their head or on their gun and, and just see the shots, you know, and, and, and just read the moment that way. Are you completely self-taught? Is this something that um, any of our noobs out there listening that want to pick up a camera can sort of just jump into and, and teach themselves as they go along? Well, I'm, I'm completely out the garage, eh? That's what we call it. You know, you're either out the classroom or the garage. And I'm, I'm completely out the garage. And my editor, Matt, he's out the classroom. So uh, we've actually made an, an awesome mix um, through that because, you know, I'm, I'm quite unconventional. I, I, I'll often move outside of the, the laws and the, the parameters of how you should do it. And um, I stretch him that way. But then often he'll pull me back and, and, and bring me back to the correct technical way of doing it. And, and you know, we've, we've found a really good mix, Matt and I, um, doing it that way. But, yeah, completely self-taught. Um, you know, the, Google and, and, and YouTube, when I started, were not that big. Um, you, you know, YouTube, you know, 2006, I mean, yeah, I was taught early days. There was very few even YouTube, spearfishing YouTube channels out there you know um i remember even this the cinematography and the photography and the sport was at a very bottom end level and um so there wasn't a whole lot of guys to learn from and also i didn't even have facebook then you know i only i think i only got a facebook account in 2009 so i mean i, I didn't have any connection so, yeah, I mean, we just bumped our head against the wall a whole lot of times and eventually figured it out. <laughs> I, th- I think we've kind of moved into our, a section we have on the show called the Veterans Vault, Richard, because you are such such a passionate, um, we're calling it cinematography, but what, one thing I've noticed about your films is you really tell the story well. And um, maybe you could give a bit of advice to our audience about how they can tell the story with their own sort of movies, because... I think we were talking about earlier before the show, there's a lot of guys that just sort of put together a, a montage of their kill shots and, and chuck some music over top of it and they're pretty happy with that. But from from an outside perspective, most people really want to know the story. They want to know the conditions and, you know, what the day looked like and who the who the crew was, what boat you were on. Like I like hearing about all of it. I like personally I like a bit of commentary. What sort of advice would you have for our community about how to tell the story in one of their videos? No, cool, man. Well, you know, I've just actually started writing a series called Behind the Lens. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah, it's a series I've been running through um, the Ultimate Spearfishing magazine that uh, Chris Coates um, founded and and now owns and runs. And, um, you know, I've I've been puzzling over the theory behind it for for quite a few months now, which has been super cool. Um, because, you know, being out the garage, like I said, you just kind of, you bump your head a whole lot of times and then you learn all these things along the way and then you kind of just try and remember as much as you can and don't make the same mistakes next time, you know? And it's until you actually start to write it down, you realize, man, you know, the amount of things you've learned along the way, um, it's just incredible. And, and that's the actual journey that I've been going on. I think the number one thing that I'd, I'd want to share um well, the article, yeah, the emphasis on the article is, is do you want to take your, your spearfishing cinematography 
from good footage to great footage, you know? Do you want to take it to the next level? I think the most important thing to ask yourself in that question is, are you passionate about it? Because to do that, to take it to a place where you start achieving great footage, it's going to come with sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of fish. Um, along the way, even if you're self-filming yourself, you're going to sacrifice. If you, and you're going to self-film yourself properly, you're going to you're going to end up missing a lot of fish and missing out on some of the action. But as I said in my article, you know it is well well worth it, man. When you sit down with a bunch of mates, you know, and it's the the action is captured like you know in a steady way. Um, you know your movements were right, and you were able to put that down on on an edit and it just looks good and you're able to relive that experience with your mates over and over again, man, it's just so worth it. Watching, watching my movies over again and, and all the moments that I've shared with my mates and, you know, that I had in the water. I mean, it's, it really is something special. It's something that I'm going to share with my kids one day when they're, they're old enough to understand, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So that's the ultimate spearfishing magazine. What, what, what sort of issue is that series starting in? Yes, I've got to try and remember now. I think it's um, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's just for our, for for reference for our. Yeah, they they were all posted on the, the website, but um, yeah, I think I, I think I need to approach um SDM and just chat with John and just see if he's keen to run the articles because you know Australia is probably um well in my opinion without a doubt it's the number one filming spearfishing cinematography country in the world right now. Um, well, let's say in the English world, uh, y- you guys are, are filming way more than anyone else. And um, it's incredible. And, and there's a lot of guys that are very passionate about it in Australia. And um, so, I mean, so the first thing I said is um, you've got to be passionate about it. All right. If you're not passionate about it, then that's cool. I mean, you know, um, keep filming with the head mount camera, um, keep filming with the gun mount camera, enjoy your shots, and that's great, man. And, and, and put that onto YouTube with some music and show us, and we'll be super stoked. Like, don't stop that, you know. But if you're passionate about it, then um, you need to start taking steps, like uh, number one being good preparation the night before. You know, I hear way too many stories of, oh, you know, my camera battery ran out or my memory card was full or, you know, cause I see these great fish and I see the guy's got a camera on his head or on the, on the gun. And then, you know, obviously immediately I write to the guy and say, you know, Hey man, did you get the footage? You know? And then you hear all those stories or, or, you know, um, I know a guy films and I didn't see the camera in the photo. And, hey, did you get it on camera? No, I left the camera in the boat. You know, so the, the the big thing is is preparation the night before, not the morning off. You know, make sure your battery is fully charged. Get a spare battery, um, especially if you're using a GoPro, and uh, make sure you've reformatted your memory card. And also, just try your best to um, file your footage properly. You know, um, find these guys. Most spiros are just the same, man. It's just they. Their data management is just appalling. Like, I just got footage everywhere and every every folder. And I mean, you know, I get a lot of footage from around the world, and that's you know, it's a nightmare, man. <laughs> so, 
I'd say that that's one thing is um, just prepare well before the trip. Um, for, to, you know, I mean, guys I dive with, you know, they don't prepare at all and they go out there, not even their gear, you know, and then that fish swims in and they've got a rusty spear that's slightly bent and, you know, they miss the fish and, you know, it's like, oh, I missed it. But, they, but I look at their gear and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you've spent all this money, you've got this boat, you go all the way out there, Finally, the moment comes that you've been waiting for. The fish comes in front of you and you flip and shoot skew. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. You know? Like, come on. Just prepare, prepare for the hunt and you'll find any good hunter prepares well for his hunt. It's just prepares his gear. He prepares his mind. Um, and, and it's the same with cinematography. You prepare your cameras well so that you can make sure that, hey, when the time comes and that's that one fish, you get it. And you nail it on camera. And the moment you've been waiting for your whole life and spearfishing is now captured on camera. I mean, you know, nothing better. Awesome, Richard. We've sort of, we've run right through to the end of Veterans Vault, something we normally unwrap at the end of the interview. So if we wind it back a little bit, I'd be really interested in hearing where, where you got started spearfishing and, and how you kind of did it. You said uh, at high school you're really competitive and right into your sports. And uh, before the show, I remember you saying, um, you got into spearfishing more to get away and relax. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it all, all started, as I said, in 1999. My friend asked me to um, come and do a, a speech at his 21st. And he's an old fishing buddy. And uh, I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And I went around and, yeah, I said the speech. And, and, and that night he said, hey, man, Richie, you've got to come spearfishing with me. Man. And I'd, I'd never heard of spearfishing. I'd, I'd been fishing since Niha passionate about fishing, spent most of my school holidays, you know, in the harbour or on the pier and, um, you know, trying to catch fish on a, on a rod and bait. And, uh, yeah, so I said, okay, well, let's try it out. So the next day we got together and, and, and off we went to one of our local reefs and uh, it must have been a cracking two metres visibility, a busting <laughs> uh, southwester wind, choppy seas, and, and, and out we went. I think I tied all the weights to my crayfish bag, and I had this little, <laughs> uh, we call it now a pop gun. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you can call it a spear gun, but, I mean, it, it was a little like mm -hmm. a, maybe a 50-centimeter little gun, you know, and, and, and out we went uh, out into the ocean. At, le at, least the, at least the gun was the right size for the viz, eh? <laughs> 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 yeah, true, true. Yeah, well, anyway, so I went out there and, and, and uh, yeah, it was all right. I, I liked it. I mean, the adventure side of it, I think I really connected with. But it was uh, about a week later, we went to uh, another spot of his um, called um, The Bluff, and we stood on top of this this, this big kind of um, hill, huge hill, and uh, we looked out and the water was just crystal blue, there was dolphins, you could see all the reef. It was just one of those absolute polar days. So um, my mate said, okay, well, let's go. I've got a secret spot. And uh, so let's go for a walk. And he didn't tell me, but this place was like five kilometers walk uh, along the beach. And you've got to get down the, the mountain as well. And a, a lot of the places, it's so steep that there's actually a rope that you've got to hold on to. So now, we, now I've got all this gear now, and, um, five kilometers down the beach. But we get out there, and it's like absolute magic we um we're diving around and i find this hole with these uh what we call cuckoo bass um or some call them cape knife jaw uh, they're not a very clever 
fish. <laughs> but um, anyway, so perfect. They were, yeah, they were perfect for me. So they were held up in a hole and they just just stayed there. And I ended up shooting about five of these things. And he shot about, yeah, he shot about six of them. And jeez, uh, what a what a magic thing! I mean, you know, I've been fishing all my life, and you don't experience fishing like that. And then also just to be able to see everything, it was like sensory overload. You know, yeah, that was it. That was the day that um, I became um, a sparrow. You know, like an absolute passionate frothing grom sparrow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, awesome. uh, it's once you shoot that first fish, it's it's pretty hard to go back to baiting hooks and, and throwing line and, and sitting there for hours catching nothing, hating life. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're. Damn right. And, uh, I tell you, dude, my surfboard and all my fishing gear got full of cobwebs and dusty for the next two years. Literally for the next two years, all I did at that time, I was a student, I was studying, and um, I had a lot of free time on, on my hands, you know, when you don't go to lectures. And... Um, so, I mean, I used to just sit around waiting for clean water. Like, that was, that was my life. My first two years, I pretty much just spearfished full-time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, oh, man, it was, it was incredible. I, and I, I still feel the same about the sport now. You know, when can I enroll in university? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Re-enroll just to go spare more. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, those are the years, hey. So much freedom and, and no responsibility, you know. <laughs> it's a... But I would say this to to the guys out there is um and try not to to lose that that Grom stoke you know that stoke you had that excitement you had in your your former years your early years of spearfishing and I I really try to hold on to that because you know sometimes you get old and fickle man and you know you you lose appreciation for things that were once like the absolute wow factor now become warm and so used to them you know like a pot of dolphin swimming up to you, you know, or a manta ray or, you know, a beautiful crack with crayfish or, you know, like, man, we really have to just hold on to that, that awe, that, that awe factor, that wow factor, you know? Mate, you get, you get me excited. Our crew's actually right about now, probably halfway across the bay, heading out to go for a dive and uh, <laughs> I, I sort of want to wrap this up now and go. <laughs> just, just kidding. We, um, so that's probably yeah, the memories of when you first started. Could you run us through um, your most memorable fish, Richard? No, for sure. Well, look, I've got a lot of memorable fish along the way, but I would say my first memorable fish has to be the first pelagic I shot. Um, you know, I lived in, in KwaZulu-Natal, which is uh, often warmer water and, and blue water uh, hunting. And uh, the fish we hunt there is your Spanish mackerel, um, or some people call it the king mackerel. And then the smaller version of that is the, the queen mackerel, or what we call in, in Natal as Natal snook. And, uh, yeah, I remember... Um, you know, getting down there at, at this point, I, I was battling to find guys that to dive with me, and you know, I did the thing that probably um, everyone shouldn't do, and was diving alone. And um, I definitely highly advise no one to do that um, ever. But uh, anyway, being young and feeling bulletproof, um, you know how you are when you when you're 19 years old. I used to drive, and, 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 and just wanting to go diving because. <laughs> Sometimes there's no one to go with, and, and I think we've all done it, Richard, but it's, it's definitely inadvisable. I, I love your, um, your um, sort of pushing that point, but, but we've all been there and done that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally, man. Well, 
Yeah, so I yeah, drove up the coast alone and, um, oh, man, the water was just so beautiful at my local spot. Um, so, you know, I got, got all geared up, went out to the back of the reef. There's this really cool drop-off and then the sand gutter and then another ledge. And uh, the fish tend to run through this, this what we call a gully. And um, oh, I loaded up and as I loaded up, my band snapped. But <laughs> so now, now I'm like out there and I've got no, I've got pretty much no spear gun. So now I'm like, oh, well, so beautiful. Let me hang around. And uh, see if I can get a couple crayfish and just enjoy it, you know. And can you believe it? At this point, it was still my first season. I'd never shot a game fish. The queen mackerel was swimming so close up to me that I actually poked one. I stabbed it with my spear. And at this point, I'd never at this point seen a pelagic. So you can imagine how I was feeling. I mean, I was absolutely gutted. So... So I went back home that night and I was just like, man, I fixed up my gun. And uh, I think that was a big lesson in uh, spearfishing gear preparation. And uh, anyway, so the next day I went down to to my spot again, first thing in the morning, first light, uh, just totally frothing because I know that the the game, the the queen mackerel are there. So, um, but the swell has picked up. The swells now, it's running at about a good solid six foot. And, um, Man, I must have sat on the beach for a good 40 minutes, an hour, just like summoning up the courage because it's quite a shallow ledge that you've got to swim over. So if you get caught, you're going to really get thumped. And I I have been caught there before and, yeah, pretty dull. So uh, I eventually summoned up the courage and I did it. eh? And I just caught the lull and I I managed to get out to the back okay. And it wasn't 20 minutes and the first snook came through. And uh, bam, nailed it, man. My first, my very first pelagic fish. And uh, just incredible adversity, you know. I'm, I'm all alone out there. And just, you know, and you, you're facing your, your inner self, you know. And uh, it was super memorable. Not only in that it was my first game fish, but also that um, it was special, man, to overcome that fear, you know, and to go and, and conquer. I think, uh, you know, the, the man the man inside of us, you know, that's uh, when it comes out like that, it just it's good. It feels good, you know. So it was memorable, yeah, it was good. What 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 was it like uh, getting back in through that surf with that big fish on your float? Oh no, you know, getting back in I think um uh, was what was a little scary. But um I think I was just so pumped, you know, and getting that fish that um, yeah, I just put my head down and, and went for it, eh? And managed to get in okay. So, yeah, no, no drama, no incidents. It was uh, just a really good experience. So now I was, I was stoked. I went home with my with my five kg snook, and uh, yeah, man, felt like a king, eh? It was awesome. Yeah, did, you, you cooked that up, and uh, that would have tasted like one of the best fish you've ever eaten. <laughs> I did, eh? I did, man. You know, it's yeah, that's a, you know. That's the thing about the sport, man. It's just so nice to come home with a, your bounty, you know? Yeah. Always, oh, yeah. I always think back to the village mentality, you know? Like, you, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys with different passions. You know, some guys are builders and some guys, you know, are, are, are your hunters. And, you know, you, I always think back to the day before technology. And, you know, some guys just have it in them. And I'm one of those guys, man. I'm just a hunter. You know, I just love hunting. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think some guys are spirit. You know, it's just you know coming coming home with the bounty. You know, the the meal for the family. You know, it's just it's a good feeling, man. And I think that doesn't change today. You know, I get home with you know even if it's not a. A, a trophy fish it's like you know four or five small you know brusher whatever it is and you know you you come home and you know one or one or two brusher and a and a, and a bronze bream or whatever and you, you come in with a bucket of fish for the family man it's just it feels good you know yeah yeah i i started out spear uh sorry scuba diving uh richard and i, I remember like thinking uh, I, I'm going to start chasing crayfish because we were in New Zealand, so you're allowed to do it on uh, scuba there. And I, I remember thinking, I, I, I think I'm more of a hunter than a scuba diver, and you, you learn pretty quick. And and when you do start catching things yourself, it, it changes the game. And and uh, so scuba diving finished very quickly once I discovered spearfishing. So uh, yeah, I tell you, yeah, what- I've got mates who scuba, and I've never scuba in my life before, and I, I just I couldn't fathom going down there and just hanging out and looking. Like, it just, it feels way too touristy for me, you know? I mean, a lot of people love it, and that's great. I mean, it's awesome that they get to experience the ocean like that. But um, for me, um, I want to get right in there with the sharks, man, and hunt. You know, that's that's just how I'm wired. Yeah, me too. Hey, uh, what's what's the funniest thing you've ever experienced out spearfishing? Well, I think, um, oh, you know, there's it's, it's a whole bunch then. Um, where do I start? Well, I have, you got a moment that, have you got a moment that sticks out? I've yeah, got a yeah, one does. You know, um, the, <laughs> it was quite, I think it was uh, funny and also phenomenal at the same time. It was just, it was like a, sort of in the zone of a near miracle, I think. But, um, you know, we're not, uh, we're, we're in Mozambique and uh, we had no boat, so we're shore diving. And I went out with a, a friend of mine. And he had never spearfished before. We were actually there on like a, a dive stroke surf trip. And um, he was more of a surfer. And uh, we went out there and we we're, were drifting pretty fast in the current around this point. And um, I looked up at him and I said to him, you know, um, we actually call him No Stoke um, because the guy <laughs> hasn't got a lot of stoke. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even his name's funny. I love it. Yeah. So, I looked up at No Stoke and he had No Stoke. And the current <laughs> 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 was, was screaming. And we're, we're heading around this point. And I didn't know how long this point went for or if there was any exit. And there was no, there was no way to swim against the current background where we had entered. Because the entry was very cool, you know. So, again, note to self, make sure when shore diving to know your entrance and exit points. Anyway, so um, uh, having not done that, I didn't know how long it was going to take to get on the other side and if there was even an exit point. So um, I saw this, there was this flat rock and then there was like a a steep bank of rocks, but they were like super jagged sharp. But I figured, look, the flat rock was okay. But the problem was that the the surge was just rushing up and throwing on top of this rock and then pulling away. So if you could could time it just right, you could like wash up onto the rock, do the gecko, hold on. (laughs) Hold on for dear life. It would wash away, jump up quickly, grab your gear, pull off your fins, bolt along the rock and jump onto this bank and hang on for dear life. So this was our brainwave plan to escape 
imminent death, it seemed. Um, <laughs> now, no soak. Again, like I had no soap. <laughs> oh, I love his name. With- Snook Sno- and no soak. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So now, have you ever seen a, the, the big ass? Have you ever seen a guy with the big ass? You know when they look at you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what and you're but talking big about. Ass, well, no stoke had no stoke and big ass. So now, <laughs> uh, th- this whole situation was uh, deteriorating fast. <laughs> so now, okay, so I, I, I go for it. I, I do the first rush. Boom, nail it. Um, obviously, you know, shore diving for many years, you know, always in these kind of situations. Did the gecko, planted. You got your uh, gecko on. Perfectly. Held on, sucked away, ripped my fins off, boom. Okay, so I made it. So now I'm, I'm, I'm parking on the on the bank, and now no stoke is just not operating. This guy. Oh, <laughs> oh no. So now I'm like, oh, man. So I decide, okay, I'm going to get my fins back on and help out no stoke. So get the fins back on, wait for the surge to go away, rush onto the rock, dive into the water, and now I'm back out there again. Now I'm this like surging swell that's rushing up onto, onto the rocks. Okay, so now, okay, so now I've got to tell this no stoke when to go. So we wait, wait for the moment, say go. He goes, but just didn't land the gecko at all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no, no stoke had no gecko. No, no, he, total fail on the gecko. So he landed on his ass and he starts now. Bumping along, and as he's bumping, you just hear him going, oh, 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 <laughs> which is quite feminine. And anyway, so he's he's now bumping along and slides back off the side of this ledge, boom, back into the ocean. So I'm like, oh, no, this is just not going down too well. So you know, <laughs> now, now I, I, and then... To top it off, what's even worse, I look at his fins. He's using my dad's fins, okay? And you know fins are not. <laughs> the one fin's gone. Now, no stoke, no stoke, big eyes, and one fin. So <laughs> the situation is just not happening. So anyway, eventually I get behind him, push him, um, flat on his stomach. He, he lands the gecko, runs up, and no stoke's fine. Then I landed and I'm like, okay, well, now I've got to tell my dad about this fin. And anyway, no stokes alive and that's fine. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> went home that night, happy days. Okay, we all survived. Um, you know, no stokes helped a bit, but anyway, it's fine. We we got through it. We got through that, um, you know, friendship trauma. And um, <laughs> uh, next morning we go like, no, let's leave the diving today. Let's go surfing. So, <laughs> so, so we are surfing and I just see the shoal of something smashing the surface and they keep rushing in the surf line and rushing past us. And I'm like, no, dude, we have to go get our gear. This is ridiculous. So eventually he, he buckles and like I said to him, look, I've found the exit point. We'll be fine. It's cool. <laughs> you got to come with me. So we borrowed some fins for him. We, Head out into the ocean, and I didn't, I didn't know that spot really well. So we just swimming on sand, and there's nothing. And I'm zigzagging, trying to find reef, and I'm zigzagging all over the ocean, different depths. And I see this like black object. I, I must have swum out to about 15 meters. So I see this black object floating in the distance. I'm like, what is that thing? I swim out to it. It's my fin, dude. It's my <laughs> find my fin. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's the story of no stoke in the fin. 
was good. Oh, oh awesome. <laughs> what are we going to call that? No, no Stoke one fin? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> brilliant. I love that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I could All right, Rick. All right, Rich, uh, this is uh, where we, we sort of come to the Fast Five Facts for Noobs where you share your uh, top five um, piece of, pieces of advice for the, um, the budding noob Spiro. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, number one is guys out there, you've got to realise you're not bulletproof. Please, you have to realise that. I think Spiros um, are, are naturally adrenaline junkies and guys who like to push the limits no matter what they're doing. And the problem with spearfishing is, is when you do push the limits, you can quite easily die. Um, I've, I've, had, I've had three good friends uh, die along the way uh, of my spearfishing career. So guys out there, do your buddy diving properly. Dive with a buddy and buddy dive, I'd say. It's one thing being out there with a buddy, and it's another thing actually buddy diving with him. One up, one down. You know? So that's what I'd say. That's the first thing. You're not bulletproof. Guys die every year. Um, we hear about guys dying in the sport, mostly due to shallow water blackouts. And it's, it's, and it's more often than not because they've just pushed it too far. So honestly, a fish is not worth your life. Be conservative in your breath-holding ability and let the fish swim by. Let it go. If you can't make it and you don't have the breath, let it go. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, if you want to get good fast, Connect with the old schoolers. They're experts. The guys in your area that have been doing it for a long time and shoot good fish. Connect with them any way you can. Um, invite them over for a bra um, or a, a barbecue. Um, top man for them. If it comes down to that and you're not even going to get in the water, spend months just top manning for them. And you, will, you won't believe how much you'll learn um, in such a short space of time. And you'll end up uh, getting... You know, you're learning fast and landing a good catch consistently. You know, and that's, and that's what spearfishing is about. It's not always about just shooting big fish all the time, but it's about being consistent and getting a good catch, you know. So, um, yeah, hang with the old schoolers, I'd say. Uh, stop being so serious. <coughs> Have fun, you know. Um, there's guys out there. Take, take. Take no stoke out shore diving. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. You know? <laughs> uh, have a whole lot of fun, man. The ocean's such a beautiful place. It's a magical place, you know. Um, try and keep the, the awe factor, the stoke. You know, no matter how many times you've been to that same crack in the reef, you've dived along that same gully, you know. Keep that stoke. Enjoy the ocean, man. It's the most beautiful thing that God's created, you know, and, and he's given it to us. So just enjoy it, man, and, and always stay stoked about it. Um, and then if you, if you want to get good at diving, um, the best way to do it is time in the water. You know, it really is the best way to do it. It's just spend time in the water. Um, like anything we do in life, um, you know, the more consistently you, you do it, the more you learn about doing it, you know. And um, you'll find guy, my latest uh, movie, One Fish Legends, you know, Barry Paxman, he said, you know, on any given year, he can spend up to, you know, uh, 250, 300 days in the water, you know. So, I mean, you know, that's, he, that's a lot of time. Well. Yeah, I mean, he's, and, and you see him today, he is still so passionate about even shooting that five kilo Spanish mackerel. He is so stoked, you know. And, um, yeah, man, 
that's how we're going to be. And then um, another thing I've noticed uh, with a lot of sparrows, and I only learned it when I came to this part of the country and started hunting here, the, the fish are very clever here. Uh, the black muscle cracker and the white muscle cracker, they're extremely clever fish. They very seldom swim up, swim up to you, and you have to have some pretty clear strategies and techniques to get these fish to swim up to you. And um, the one thing I've learned here very well is to, is to actually hunt, how to hunt. I think uh, a lot of guys are used to, and I was when I lived um, further north in blue water, I was spoiled. And I, I was really good at just shooting fish, but I've really learned to hunt, hunt fish in this part of the world. And one of the biggest things I've learned, and if guys can learn this, their, their catches will increase radically, is your body language counts. Your body language counts. And the, the way that I've really seen my body language is when I started filming my spearfishing. I started to see how erratic the camera movements were, therefore how erratic my body movements were, how fast my head was turning, how, how sporadic my head was turning up and down, how um, large my body posture was. You know? So I'd say start to practice diving straight down to the reef, but straight down to the reef, lie on the reef, and even at times try looking at the reef and hiding your eyes just for uh, 15, 20 seconds. And then slowly pick your head up and see what happens. And you'll see fish will just start to move in. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll have a very small, um, uh, how can I say, you'll have a very small posture and non-threatening posture in the water. And you'll, you'll see yourself catching a lot more fish and, and your bigger, wiser fish swimming right up to you. In fact, if you can find a crack, if you can find a little ledge or a little crack, go and sneak into that. And I'm telling you, the big fish in the area just cannot resist coming and looking what object, what foreign object just went into that crack. And you'll see it will mm-hmm. swim right up to you. And um, so as in hunting techniques, that, that would be my advice. Yeah, cool. Okay. All right. Um, Rich, I'm just going to read, read back the, uh, the, your fast five facts. So number one, um, dive within your limits. You aren't bu- bulletproof. And uh, dive with a buddy. One up, one down. Uh, number two, <coughs> connect with experts. So I think basically you told us there to go and get a mentor and, and hang out with the guys that have been doing it for years. Uh, number three, relax, have fun and enjoy yourself out there. Number four, um, spend time in the water. So uh, the more time in the water, the more experience you get, the better you'll, you'll become. And uh, number five, you gave us uh, learn some hunting techniques, uh, <coughs> particularly your, your body language and uh, and uh, your your movements underwater. Yes, exactly. Great advice. Yeah. You know how many guys tell me, you know, when they've got a camera in their hands, how many guys tell me the fish just swim up to them with a camera? And it's because they've got a camera and not a gun. And I say to them, no, that's not because you've got a, a camera and not a gun. Um, it's, it's because your body language has changed. You're now no longer in this aggressive, forward-moving hunting mode, you know? in a more passive, um, relaxed mode. And, and that's why the fish feel a lot less threatened. I mean, you can pull your gun right back down your body and have just the spear by your head, you know, and, and, and be completely relaxed. And I think it's, it's really hard in your first few 
seasons because you, you're just so frothing. And then when that fish, that shoal of fish swim in on you, man, you just, you just freak out, you know? And I think we all know that feeling, man, and just trying to aim straight as a mission, never mind stay calm, you know? <laughs> so, so, so try and work on that. That's great. Is um is there anything else you want to say to our Noob Spirit community, Rich? Is, you've probably got fans listening. I mean, your videos are widely watched throughout YouTube and stuff. Is there anything you want to say to the guys listening, guys and girls listening? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I just want to say thanks to all the guys. No, really, um, thank you so much for all the support you guys are giving us out there. Um, it's really by your support that we're able to succeed the way we have. Um, every click on YouTube, every share on Facebook, you know, every DVD purchase really just empowers us to continue to, to do what we're doing and do it with excellence. And it's because of you guys that we've got as far as we have. So cheers, guys. Um, thanks a lot. I, I, I seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you all very much. Yeah, well, so you can find Richard uh, in the Zone Productions. He's got a one show I saw. The first show I ever watched of yours, Richard, was a local guy here. Um, it was like a GT shoot off between him and another guy it was on your top shots youtube channel uh and i think i think the our local guy took that out actually mm. um, that's right yeah, yeah. Uh, rodney, <laughs> rodney Ives, yeah he did he beat the yeah. african yeah rodney Ives, submerged yeah despite my opinions yeah he definitely he won so <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was actually surprised he won too. They were both great videos, but I, I thought the other guy that lost actually probably had the better shot. But it was uh, it was a good showdown anyway. Um, yeah, cool. So we really appreciate you coming on the show, Richard, and and, and helping us out and um and and saying hello to our audience and things like that. And it's been great to have you on the show. You've told us some great stories. Uh, I'm going to remember that no stuck story forever. And uh, so, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on, Richard. You, you, you've offered our audience a ton of value. No, cheers, mate, and uh, yeah, thank you guys, man, and thank you for what you're doing. I think this is a great idea, an awesome concept, and yeah, I just hope the the spearing community, the global spearing community, just get behind you guys. And this is going to be fantastic to hear from from some of the greats, you know. And um, yeah, really appreciate what you guys are doing, and, and thanks for the opportunity, man, to. To be able to speak out and then yeah, I guess have some more fun with you guys. Great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna link up uh, most of what we've had on the on on our show notes here at Noobs Bureau, and we'll we'll share this video around and share this uh, podcast around. So thanks again, Richard. We'll we'll catch up with you another time. That's great. Cheers, guys. Cool. Catch ya. Thanks, Rich. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening today, Noob Spiro. If you'd like to find out any more information from today's guest, then head over to noobspiro.com. We really appreciate you guys as listeners. Without you, we couldn't do the show. So if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes or head on over to noobspiro.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter. We won't send you crap. So that's all from us. A big hooroo. We hope to see you soon. Shrek over and out. Shrek over and out.